the Mobile Mongrel Podcast, where we go behind the scenes in the cheese world to chat with the people making, selling, or distributing your favorite specialty food products. I'm your host, Janae Muha, certified cheese professional, longtime cheesemonger, and producer advocate. Vermont Creamery is one of the more well-known names in the goat cheese market, but they have an extensive line of other cultured cream products that continue in the same high-quality vein. Have you ever wondered how cow's milk butter became a mainstay in their product lineup? Well, I've wondered that, and I've recently had the distinct pleasure of getting to ask Adeline Drouart, president of Vermont Creamery herself. We chat all things butter, some new and exciting ways that Vermont Creamery is paving the way for makers and sustainability, and the difference it makes having cheesemakers at the helm. If you could introduce yourself, and then I would love just kind of a snapshot of your path to cheese. Oh my God. How much time do we have? We have all the time we need. <laughs> well, hello, I'm Adeline Gerard. Uh, I'm originally from France, and uh, I'm the president of Roman Creamery. And my path to cheese is um, I grew up in Franche Comté, so there is some pretty good cheese being made there, with uh, in a small village with more cow than people. Uh, both my grandparents uh, were dairy farmers, small, small dairy farmers, and um, I uh, went to the National Dairy School, uh, which is in the Alps, because I, I love science and microbiology, and I didn't want to go and work in a lab and do blood testing or whatever. I, I was passionate about food. Uh, I was passionate about dairy because that's that's where I grew up. And so I found this school. There is um, only few in France, I think three now that are left. And it's it's a working school, meaning in the morning um, you go make cheese at the plants, and then in the afternoon um, you you have classes on microbiology and biochemistry and economics. So that's what I did for two years. And I learned to make Roblochon, Beaufort, we did Tom de Savoie, we made butter there, like all the good stuff, uh, <laughs> which, which was terrific. And, and then after that, um, I pursued uh, a degree in microbiotechnology, uh, a master's degree. And for that, I had to do an internship. And I remember um, a friend of mine had come to Vermont to work um, with the folks uh, making the Tarantaise uh, because he had uh, he was from the Beaufortin and he came back and said, hey, they make real cheese in the US. I said, what? They make cheese wheeze and slices of cheddar for burger. What are you talking about? And I said, no, you should check it out. So when I had to find a place to do an internship for this master's degree that him and I were taking, I sent my resume to Roman Creamery because um, the cheeses on their website had French name. And I thought, well, you know, I speak French, I make French cheese, so maybe they would be interested in me coming over. So that's that's my story to cheese. Wow. Um, and you've been in Vermont how long now? Well, this year is a special year because it's going to be 20 years since that first time I got on the plane and and, uh, and came to Vermont. So <laughs> that's amazing. Time flies. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm celebrating 20 years in the cheese industry this year oh. myself. So, well, you've been in it longer, but you know, big 20 year celebration. So that's amazing. 
We should we should we should have a party at ECS or something like that. Oh, we definitely will. We definitely <laughs> will. <laughs> There'll be more than one, I'm sure. Okay. <laughs> I'm in. Um, so I've been thinking about this a lot lately, actually, and I want to thank you for all of the butter you sent me because I made tons of chocolate chip cookies and they're delicious. Um, but Vermont Creamery was, like you said, mostly known for goat cheeses. I kind of was wondering how they got into the butter game and like how that started. Oh, that's a good, good question. Uh, I wish I could say, well, we looked at the market and we saw an opportunity and yaddy yaddy. But not at all. So the story is, um, we started with making fresh goat cheese. And then at some point, we ran out of goat's milk. Couldn't find enough goat's milk to supply the demand. So Alison Hooper, our co-founder, have um, gone in France. And this is, you know, uh, in her early years. And this is where she discovered those amazing French-style cheeses and butter. She worked on a farm in uh, Brittany. And so that's what spearheaded her starting Vermont Primary. So she's like, I can't make any more goat cheeses because I don't have the milk. So what else could I make? And she thought creme fraiche. And so she got some local cream. She added some starter culture. And here she was making this delicious, delicious creme fraiche, uh, which we started selling in, in, uh, in restaurants in New York City. So fast forward, here we're making goat cheese and creme fraiche. And then um, one day they were picking up milk and cream in, uh, in their roots. Um, and they saw a barrel churn on the back of a farm. And guess what? <laughs> they asked the farmer if they can buy the churn because they're like, hey, we're a butter and cheese company. So all we need is to make butter so we can fit that under our, our company name. And so load up the churn dump some creme fraiche into the churn, started churning. And here came this amazing, delicious, high fat culture butter. And that's how we got into the butter business. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. All the cultured things go together for sure. This is a very Vermont story. Yeah. <laughs> we found the churn and that's how we got into the butter business. Something we wanted to make. So we just made it. <laughs> Yes, exactly. And you know, what was interesting. I mean, that was, um, I joined 20 years ago and we were already making butter. So it's been probably 25 years we've been doing so uh, and been selling this butter for, for two decades in, uh, in, uh, in restaurant, in food service. And so this butter is on the table in some of the best restaurants across the country. But we knew that at some point we would take this high fat culture butter and, and take it to the retail market because um, why not having better butter on the table, right? Absolutely. Um, so that's been our, our journey over the past two decades. And then also a um, couple of three years ago, we introduced the, the stick butter that, that you got. How many farms do you work with in the area? And like, what does that kind of relationship look like? Yes, so uh, for goat's milk, we buy directly from um, goat dairy farmers. We have a truck to truck, actually go pick up the milk twice a week. For the cream, we buy it from a local co-op, San Albans Co-op. They are an hour and 20 minutes um, drive from the creamery. They have about 350 uh, dairy farmers in the co-op. So it's a small, you know, it's a small co-op and recently they, they merged with DFA. Um, and yeah, we've been, you know, partners since 
I would say 20, 30 years. Um, and so it's most of the, the farms within St. Ivan's Club, they are small, they are very small uh, dairy farm. Um, I would say smaller in scale than the, the farms in California or, or in the Midwest. And yeah, yeah, we get, you know, they, they pick up the milk, separate the cream to our specification, which is we need high, we want high fats cream and then uh, cream without hormones, obviously. And then within, within a couple of hours, the, the cream is delivered to the, to the creamery. So it's, it's a very close loop and, and fresh, uh, fresh uh, cream supply. Can you explain to me and those out there the difference between a cultured butter and like say a sweet cream? Yes, yes. So um, American uh, standard of identity for butter is it's gotta be made from you know cream, um, cow cream, and it's gotta be 80% uh, fat content. So it's um, um, traditional processes. You take the, you receive the cream, at, you know, lower fat content, pasteurize it, and then churn it immediately into you know, to make butter. And that's 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 the the butter that you find across the country. This is the amazing land of eggs butter, and most of the butter in this country. Culture butter is made uh, with a, an important additional steps that takes time, um, which is we receive the cream, pasteurize it, and then we're going to set the cream in culturing tank. Think of. Um, if most of you have been visiting uh, breweries, those big, you know, uh, silos where where the bugs uh, and the brewing happen, this is similar um, to what we do. So we add starter culture, which is a, a very specific blend of bacteria we picked um, that um, basically eat the lactose in the cream, the sugar in the cream, and from that lactose fermentation couple of things happen. One of them is uh, there is lactic acid being produced, which is going to acidify the, the cream, reduce the pH. Another amazing thing that happened is um, uh, there is a production of deacetyl um, uh, uh, lactic acid, which has this rich, nutty taste, aromatic taste, which you can taste in our butter. So, um, and that production of, of this compound that's that, that um, nutty compound happen at a very specific pH. So that's why we, we stay there for a very long time. So we, we, we culture the cream for 20 hours is a very, very long time, but it's to have the optimum flavor production, um, uh, the aromatic production in our cream. And then only we churn, we churn this cream into, into butter. Amazing. I've mostly talked to kind of smaller producers, but I would love to hear how that kind of works on a nationally distributed level. Like how many churns are you running at a time? Like how much butter are you making in a day? <laughs> so it's, it's a, it's a good question. And you would be surprised. You would come to our butter room and you're like, this is the size of a shoebox. Like, what are you doing here? Because it, it doesn't have, it, it, our churn is not big. It's, um, but it, it, you know, so what's the churning process is you take cream and then um, basically it's uh, churning is a, uh, an emulsion reversion. Basically you whip up with the cream and at some point the fat globule that is in the liquid and the water turn into now being uh, create this solid, that grain of butter. So our churn is small, but the, the whipping component just happened, you know, nonstop. Uh, we used to have a barrel churn where you put the cream roll it, churn it, and then take the butter out 
rinse it and then start the next batch. Now we have something called a continuous churn where the cream comes in one end of the churn. Uh, it's being whipped, it's being augured to extract the buttermilk out of it and then comes uh, on the other side of it. So we, we run three to four days a week for uh, about eight hours, the churn. And, and, um, and yeah, that's what it takes. And um, annually we sell uh, close to 2 million pounds of butter. That's amazing. I have <laughs> never had the opportunity of seeing a, seeing a continuous churn. So I'm excited to get to come out one day and like actually see I it know. happen. I've seen the barrel churns, which are awesome. And like getting to kind of see all the little butter granules when they're, oh, gosh. Yeah, it's yeah. fun. And the smell, what I love the most is when I walk into the butter room, the smell of freshly churned cream, and especially in cultured uh, butter, that cream has so much um, aromatic uh, flavor that it has this, you know, fresh buttermilk taste to it, that sweet corn, and you can smell it in a room. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, one thing I wanted to add is cultural butter is not defined um, or regulated in, in the U.S. So there is other way to make cultural butter, which is to add those aromatic at the end of churning. So skip the 20 hours of culturing to produce that flavor, but add uh, lactic juice at the end of the churning. And, and, and it, the, you don't have to disclaim that on the packaging, but... Um, the way I explain it, you can make wine by, you know, taking, um, you know, uh, grape juice and add, you know, vinegar and, and, and cherry flavor, or you can, uh, you know, age it in oak barrel. And we do the oak barrel version of it. That's a great distinction because I don't think a lot of people realize that. I don't mm -hmm. even think that I knew that, but I knew that you guys took a lot, a lot more time to, in your process. And that's, why the flavor is so delicious. Thank you. Thank you. And I also assume that Vermont Creamery has a proprietary culture blend that you use. The one we select is, um, the, is not made just for us, but it's, it's, a, it's, uh, it's a blend. We, we blend three different kinds. <laughs> so you make so your own, to. yeah, you make your <laughs> own proprietary blend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Which is important. I mean, that's, that's how we, that plus the quality of the cream, the sourcing of the cream, and then that, you know, that magic in the temperature, we culture the cream, the time we take, all of this is, uh, is the steps that makes it different. Uh, so one of the reasons why butter is a little bit difficult to make in the United States is because of the amount of waste that kind of happens with it. Um, do you have any, well, just from like the way and, you know, yes. it's, you need, you need the good part, the, the cream of the crop, basically, literally. Um, yeah. so do you, how are you dealing with that side of things? And you, you're so prepared. All those questions are awesome, which by the way, for anyone listening, I didn't get any question ahead of time. So I was like, okay, we're going to wing it, <laughs> which is perfect. So I'm glad you brought this up because uh, we have a, like a little bit of uh, an announcement groundbreaking news here. Our whey and buttermilk before we used to handle it with uh, trucking it a couple of times a day to um, deliver it to local uh, farms. And they would feed that whey and buttermilk to, to cows or pig which is, you know, it's great and it's fine, but it's a lot of uh, mileage, um, you know, to, to get rid of a byproduct. 
we wanted to turn that into something that is more circular, like trying to do something out of, of this byproduct. And so we just uh, launched a, a partnership with Vanguard Renewable Energy. And uh, they are a company in Vermont that uh, focused on um, installing biodigester on farm. And so our whey and buttermilk is being sent to a nearby cow dairy farm that has this amazing, it's one of the largest biodigester in the country. And they are producing uh, natural renewable gas out of this byproduct. And what's terrific is not only we produce now energy with our whey, uh, but it also helped the farm to, um, they, they are able to remove phosphorus out of the land. They are able to use the uh, byproduct of, um, of the digestion to have bedding for their cows, which has impacted their somatic cell and reduced the somatic cell. So the cows are more comfortable because of the bedding. The land is now being cleaned up from all that phosphorus. And, and we get to create um, natural gas out of uh, natural renewable gas. And it's all because of the buttermilk and the way uh, that we send and, and Cabo Creamery send as well. That's amazing. And That's I do apologize cool. for not sending the question, but that one, that one kind of came off the top anyway. So, yes. you know. Good that's one. How, that's how we roll. We just, you know, but that's amazing. And I love to hear that. And I love seeing that more companies are taking those steps to reduce their carbon footprints and be more actively engaged with how we are yeah. making things in this country and doing things a little bit different. Yes, for sure. For sure. And the creamery, um, um, to build on that note, the creamery two and a half, three years, two, two years ago, we transitioned all our electricity to be uh, cow powered. So all our electricity is also coming from um, electricity generated on farm uh, through digester. So, you know, just trying to connect all the dots here to, to hopefully do the right thing or being on, on our way to do the right thing. I like the cow powered. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Cow poop power, actually. Well, but, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, just as a funny side note, I got to visit Point Reyes on my way back up from San Francisco, which I always, if I can, I, I make that trek. Mm -hmm. um, but sh Lynn was showing me the new um, robotic milkers that they have. And it was just really funny because to get to where the milkers were, she had to pull out the hose and spray off some cow poop. And it was just kind of like, guess what? In the dairy world, it doesn't matter how far you get. You're the president of ACS right now, and you're still spraying cow poop. There you go. That humbling, yep. humbling position to be in. <laughs> oh my God, you bet. You bet, which is, I, I don't know. That's why I love this industry so much is we get to work for farmers and, and we get to create food and, and yeah. And it's, it's a very humbling experience. Keeps us grounded. Exactly. Exactly. So I wanted to kind of go back to like your French background and obviously the French have very high standards when it comes to butter and cheese. Um, so what are those kind of parameters that you're usually looking for, for the best tasting butter in particular? Um, yeah, well, I remember when we were um, churning in, in the barrel churn, which why we went from barrel churn to continuous churns, first of all, that old barrel churn broke, 
and like broke for real like and broke during the the week leading to christmas when no one is playing butter <laughs> so we're like okay we need something reliable here because this is no longer a side business this is a real business making butter so we we transitioned because of that reason and the other reason is because we um we needed to control the sweating into the butter you know some some you know some butter that are still very very much uh handmade and churning a barrel churn and then you know where the where you rinse the buttermilk you, you see that sweating happening and um and it creates a marbled effect and we needed to reduce that because it it, it can create some pockets of you know, bacterial growth or, or oxidation. And we felt like the next step for us was to, to improve on that, which is why we, we moved to, uh, to a continuous churn, which has a screen that helps break down those, you know, buttermilk and moisture particle into smaller ones. So you have a more uniform butter. Um, and so that's what we focus on and spend most of our time on. The other thing is, um, I personally have a, um, a lot of sensitivity to oxidation. And, and so uh, making sure that, um, you know, our butter, um, you know, never gets to that point. That's why we have a shorter chef life compared to, I would say, the, the, the standard in the industry. And um, yeah, we have the wrapper around our stick butter that has uh, is special UV light and things like that to just keep the freshness. Like you've seen sometimes you open butter and it's like it has this dark yellow crust all around. And it's like, oh my God, to me, it's like how long this thing has been churned? Like, and how far has it traveled? Because this is, uh, you can taste the metallic and the oxidation. And, and uh, so focusing on that, focusing on consistent texture and then focusing on, on those oxidation uh, notes. And, uh, and we spend also a lot of time on, on the culturing process, how to, to be at this optimal pH for so long so we get the, the nutty um, cultured notes. I love it. So much care. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and that's, I think it's important for people to understand that for especially like a nationally distributed company that, people just think like, oh, this is just a big company. They aren't, they're not paying that much attention, but oh, it's always gosh. good to know that that care is still, <laughs> that's, that care is still happening. Well, this company is run by a cheesemaker and buttermaker and, and it's embedded in the, in the culture of the business. I mean, Bob and Alison, they, they cared so much of, you know, of, uh, on the, of the quality of the product that, you know, as we grew that stayed there, that's part of who we are. So, um, you know, it, it's okay to be natural, nationally distributed as long as you put quality. And for us, we call it taste above all, which is if it's not going to be the base, best tasting butter or creme fraiche or goat cheese, which is we either going to put it off the market or we're just not going to innovate in those spaces. That's the key, having people that's in the, the place. Key. That's the key. Having people in places that know how to make things taste the best is. Okay. <laughs> um, is there anything about butter that we didn't talk about that you want to make sure people know? I'm just super excited about the, the butter conversation because for so long, we, you know, we've been talking about cheese or gertricum or goat cheese. And now it's like, you know, let's talk butter because there's so many amazing 
locally produced butter. Like for so long, uh, you know, it was the, the, the traditional butter. We have had some amazing legacy brand, including Mandalay. And then the specialty butter had to be imported from France or you know, from, from Europe. And, and um, so kudos to those companies for paving the way, bring like a different kind of special uh, butter. And I feel now, now there is incredible, uh, incredible specialty butter made in, in, uh, in the US, including Vermont Creamery, including for example, Plowgate Creamery, who is in our States. Um, so it's exciting to see to see Vermont, uh, Vermont and the U.S. now having having a specialty butter history that is being built, and, and people stop value that and stop and people stop being scared of it too, because you know, growing up in the '80s in the United States, like butter was villainized; it was fat, and you didn't want fat. So, like people, right. it's a and still now when I talk to people about butter or like. Um, so we have a local butter maker here, Cherry Valley Dairy, and they sell theirs sometimes in like a five pound wheel, almost looks like cheese because it's Jersey grass fed butter oh during God. the height of summer. Um, and, you know, some shops sell it cut to order and people will be like, oh, let me taste that cheese, but or that butter cheese. And we're like, just so you know, it actually is butter. I'm happy to give you a sample. People get really weird about it. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> yes, just try it. It's delicious. It's just like cheese. Mm-hmm. It's no different. So mm-hmm. it is funny how people have very preconceived notions in the United States about butter. And I'm glad we're breaking down those barriers. Get rid of them. Yeah, we have to. <laughs> um, okay. So I have three questions that I kind of ask everybody at the end of these. Um, are you ready? They're easy. Oh I'm sure easy. Well, everybody says that they're hard, but they're not that hard. Just okay. Okay. Do whatever it. Come, whatever out. comes to the first, first thing in your head. Uh, what is your current cheese crush? Conte, my parents just came and my in-law live in Poligny. I mean, they literally live in the capital of Conte. So they brought three kilos and I'm just like, even my kids don't have access to that. <laughs> that's Adelina only <laughs> keep that yes. secret in yes. your own personal yeah. fridge yeah yeah good for you good for you I, I, we have a cheese fridge in our house what is your favorite cheese pairing um uh well the first thing that comes in mind I don't know if it's because you know close to happy hour but it's like I, I love uh, I love champagne. I love sparkling wine. Like I'm French, so let's own it. So this goes really well with with our aged goat cheeses, you know. Uh, but if I had to pick outside of booze, um, another pairing. Um, I did this event last year with Elizabeth from Murray's, and we did um, we did coupole with. Um, with some rustic bakery crackers. And then on top, we had a smoked peach jam. And the whole thing, the whole experience was like, you know, we're yakking around and all of a sudden her and I put that pairing into our mouth and just sang and said, oh my God, it tasted like a peach cobbler. And, and you know, it, it, you know we, we're in the world of food. We taste so many different things that it's sometimes hard to be like, wow. This was my last wow moment. You know, it's good when everybody goes silent and they're just like, <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Um, all right. Last one, your top food memory, and it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, like a specific restaurant or anything, but just like, what is your favorite memory of like, I don't know, growing up and making food with family or your own family? Well, when I go back to France, when we go back to France as a family every year, the first thing my mom serves me is Fessel with her um, with her jam that she makes out of cassis. Have you had Fessel, that fromage blanc Fessel? You know what that is? I don't think so. So in France, from fromage blanc is, is kind of the great style yogurt. Of here, but um, there is there is a facet is like a, a fresh cheese, and it's 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 whole milk, and it, it's sold in a little colander that then uh, lays into a cup. So it 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 has it's it's thick, so you can break into it. So it's it's this yeah, it's it's like a, a hard fromage blanc, and you serve it with um, yeah with with jam on top, and so it's. Um, it's what I grew up eating and it's delicious. And so that's, I, I would say my, my memory. And, and we tried to do it at Vermont Creamery. We did it for a um, couple of months for Le Bernardin for Eric Ripper. And then we're like, it's like, we were ladling like those teeny tiny cups for, you know, a couple of times and I like, okay, let's shut this thing down. <laughs> but that's my favorite food memory, I guess. Oh, well, I can't wait to get back to France to taste that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we can find any in the US, unfortunately. There's a lot of things that we can't get over here. Like I just saw an article on um uh gastro obscura about uh conquiette. Is that how you pronounce it? Conquiette. Yes. yes. And I got to experience that when I was in France and was blown away by the deliciousness that that was in. It is definitely not something you can get in the U.S. because most of it is raw milk and very young, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. So it was fun seeing that uh, reminder of my time when I got to spend some time in France. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be your your French food memory. If I had to turn back the question to you. <laughs> um, that or same area because uh, I was in Bessesson and wow. my friends actually took me to a cheese shop there. And we bought a big basher and Montour oh. and they made it the way that their family has always done it, shoving garlic cloves in the top and pouring it with white wine and shoving it in the oven and then dripping yeah. it over roasted or like boiled potatoes. And like, that was just very heavenly and very like, you know, we had a couple friends over or they had a couple friends over besides us. And it was just very homey and very French and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then you go into a, a, a cheese coma. Uh, <laughs> I mean, every like we came back, we went back home for Christmas last Christmas. It was two years, you know, it was a very long time. And so our parents did, well, we did your favorite food. We were planning the menu every night. So first night we had Vacherin Mondor. Second night we had raclette. <laughs> and then third night was Christmas Eve. I'm like, I think I'm gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> It's too much, but yeah. I definitely yeah. think our friends in Bessesson spoiled us because they also took us to a fondue restaurant and like they were definitely spoiling us where our other friends that we were staying with in other parts of France didn't quite know as much about cheese. So like it, that place uh, 
our friend definitely was very in tune with the local cheese community and I was very happy for it. <laughs> there you go. Well, I grew up 30 minutes from Besançon. So you, 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 you're talking about home right now, which is fun. I enjoyed that area immensely. So I, uh, <laughs> lucky you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, well, that's all I have for you. So I just want to thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to, to come and hang out and talk about butter. Well, thanks so much. And that tattoo was like, oh my God, this is, this is cool. This is very powerful. I took a screenshot and sent it to my team and, and said, I know, I know her. <laughs> you, the, everybody thinks you're a celebrity, just so you know, at Vermont Creamery. So when you come, you're going to get the red carpet treatment. Oh man. I, I feel this. I mean, to be yeah. able to say like my butter tattoo got me a time with Adeline Drewart herself. Like I feel pretty big about that. Um, and it's funny too, because a lot of people do have cheese tattoos, but I was like determined I needed a butter tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. Take it, take it to a whole new level and you sure did. So thank you again to Adeline for sharing her time and expertise. There's nothing like conversations with people who share love as deep as the love we share for grape butter. This podcast is recorded, produced, and edited by me, Janae Muha. Thank you to Ben Muha for allowing me to use your music. Follow along on my cheesy adventures at Instagram, Facebook, or get more content at Patreon. My website is also a great hub for all of my goings on. Thanks for listening. And remember to keep spreading the word of good curd.